0: Jeff been here, and welcome to the Daily Evolver podcast, where we look at the world around us, politics, culture, current events, all of it, through the lens of integral theory. It's Tuesday, October 25th, exactly two weeks before this election, and I want to share a little more, I think as a psychological defense of my own. I want to share a little more thinking about this Donald J. Trump character and Trumpism and what it may mean for our culture and where we go from here, assuming, of course, praying that he loses. I guess the professional betting pools have him at about an 8% chance, which I find terrifying. But I'm going to go with the odds, assume he loses, and before we're all sick of him, uh, try to get a, some kind of an integral frame around this whole thing. The good news is that I do think that the rise of Trump and Trumpism will be a potent force for forward movement in the culture and that we will be a better country after Trump than we were before he found us and took us on this crazy ride. Okay, so let's start with the man himself. What can integral theory tell us about how a man like Donald Trump is wired? I think one of the most telling statements that he's made about himself, of course there are many, is when he told his biographer, Michael D'Antonio, quote, when I look at myself in the first grade and I look at myself now, I'm basically the same. The temperament is not that different, unquote. And that is just literally true. It actually shows a lot of sort of strange self-awareness. And it reveals a man who, in the temperament line of development, which we might consider to be some combination of the emotional line of development and the moral line of development, Donald Trump is arrested at somewhere around a five or six-year-old. And it's really hard to wrap your head around when you see this behavior coming out of a grown man, 70-year-old man in a multi-thousand-dollar suit and, you know, a good haircut. (laughs) I think we got our first look at it when he tweeted out this horrible picture of Heidi Cruz, uh, Ted Cruz's wife, and I remember Anderson Cooper asking him, why did you do that? And Trump's answer was, because they did it first. And, you know, Anderson Cooper was sort of speechless as I was as well. And, you know, you realize that that is the kind of thinking that you would correct a five or six-year-old on. I think another important case that showed that this was a just a fundamental part of his character, was the night after the first debate with Hillary Clinton. You know, the the big presidential debate, the, the, the nominees of the two great parties of American politics. And what's Donald Trump doing at three in the morning? He's tweeting out insults to Miss Universe. And I remember reading Peggy Noonan's article in the Wall Street Journal after that, her opinion column. And she said this was the moment where sane Republicans realized that this is what he was going to do when he was president. And that was a straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of those folks. Now, using integral language, this is somebody who is at the stage of development we would call red or egocentric. And it is a perfectly appropriate stage of development for a five- or six-year-old who is learning that he or she is a separate person with a will of their own, a power of their own, and they want to exercise it. By the way, if you want to follow along with the theory, you can go to my website, dailyevolver.com, and in the section called About Integral Theory, at the very top, you click that, and at the top, is a chart of the levels of development so you can see what we're talking about. Because one of the great insights of integral theory is that the same levels that we go through as individuals as we grow and develop are gone through by the collective, by various cultures as they grow and develop. So, individuals operating out of red consciousness and cultures operating out of red consciousness. Okay, what does red look like? Red has low impulse control. It's aggressive. It can be violent when it's not being constrained by higher levels, either within your own psyche or within the larger culture. Uh, You get your status from being strong by being preferably feared or being aligned with somebody who is strong and feared. And that is what you do in red cultures. You are aligned with a tribe or a gang or a warlord and you fight. That's what you do at red. Red sees the world as a jungle where you are either the predator or the prey and you don't want to be the prey. So we talking about Donald Trump here or what? Donald Trump fights with everybody. He fights with his enemies. He fights with his friends and allies. He fights with Fox News, with Megyn Kelly, with Roger Ailes, with the Wall Street Journal. He calls (laughs) the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal a bunch of losers. He fights with the Republicans in Congress. He fights with the generals. He fights with Rosie O'Donnell. He talks about punching people in the face. It's fight, fight, fight all the time. I'm exhausted with this guy. But in his defense... There's not much else to do at red. Red is essentially pre-rational. Rationality comes online at later stages, particularly the orange modern stage. And, of course, Trump has capacities and and lines at, at that stage, too. But in his deep red identity, where he operates out of with such consistency and facility, It's not about big ideas or complex thought or abstractions. And you notice that Trump is not about policy or ideas. He's about assertion, about boasting, really. His platform, at least the one he talks about, is I'll build a wall. Or I'll be the greatest jobs creating president you've ever seen. Or I'll kick ISIS's ass. And this is Trump. He famously doesn't do email. He doesn't carry a briefcase. He doesn't make long-range plans. He basically walks into any situation and dominates it. It's more opportunistic than deliberative. And that's Red. Red lives off the land. And so you see this in also the great disappointment of the Republicans and sort of mystification of the rest of us and that is, you know, this long-awaited pivot that Donald Trump has been expected to make since day one, where having got our attention so effectively with his antics, he turned serious and presidential. And now it's become clear that he can't. It's Tonight is exactly two weeks till the election. That's when I'm recording this. And he is... Unable to do basic politics in the sense of prosecuting a coherent case against his opponent. And the Republicans have a case they want prosecuted against Hillary Clinton. And that's the emails, the foundation, Benghazi, uh, now the problems with Obamacare. You know, you may have your opinions about all of those, and I do too. I think there's a lot less to the first three at least. Than meet the eye. But nevertheless, that is the case that is to be waged against Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump can't focus long enough to make it. And you'll see him read off the teleprompter for a while and he'll make sense. But he's right. He's boring. He's boring when he does that. And he's boring to himself. This is sort of the healthy and exciting and beautiful part of red. Red says, I am, do not shackle me. Do not try to suffocate me. I must express, I must be seen, I must be reckoned with. And if you don't reckon with me, I'll burn the place down. So you can get a sense of the power and juiciness of this red energy That is part of being human. As integralists, we want to be in touch with that part of ourselves that's instantly powerful. I mean, it comes in handy in a dark alley. Uh, But it also is that juice that says that I am me and I am not you and get your hands off of me. And you can see it. It can get ugly fast in red. And so we never want red to be able to run rampant. So we think about even our own development when we are in our red terrible twos or threes. that sometimes recapitulates again in early teenage years where we're just rebellious against all constraints, against our newly emerging identity. And this can be healthy when it's contained in a context of civilizing higher stages, which is what the role of parents and society is to do for us as individuals. And if it's done well, then, you know, we have that balance of both and we can grow. For those not so lucky, it's a jungle, whether you're in a red subculture here in America, or in a war zone, or in a a really backward country. And that's how it was for about 10,000 years of human history, too, until red is civilized by the next stage, amber or traditionalism, which replaces red's impulse to be powerful with a new emerging desire to be good and to sublimate your selfish impulses to something that's greater than yourself. And this brings on this astonishing new category of values, things like patience, humility, chastity, dignity, respect, all these values that seem quaint now, but were really new in human history. And they're also new to each of us when we you know, find our little Boy Scout, Girl Scout self who just wants to be a good citizen. And that's, you know, right on schedule for most kids at 10, 11, 12. But not for our dear Donald, apparently. You know, we have to have some sympathy for Donald because psychopaths are people too. And, you know, I, I wonder, is, is this what we refer to as psychopathology is this phenomena of being arrested in your emotional and moral lines of development at red, in the sense that the higher structures haven't come online yet. Donald Trump, not only doesn't get these quaint values of amber traditionalism that I just talked about, but he holds them in contempt. He's deliberately not humble. He's never asked for forgiveness, and he also rejects truth and facts, which are the stuff of the next stage of development, or orange modernity, uh, in favor of, you know, what Fareed Zakaria called bullshit, just this spinning of truth and making it up as you go along. It's different than just being a liar, which is often calculated, but it's just Bullshit. You know, say something on videotape one day, deny it the next. Need a statistic? Make one up. Embarrassed that your tower in Manhattan is only 58 stories tall? No problem. Inflate the floor numbers in the elevator to go to 68. That's what Trump did to Trump Tower. Now, one of the things that's so interesting about Trump is that he is such a pure case. He's such a perfect, pristine example of this unique kind of arrested development that has him be so proudly and floridly egocentric or red. And part of the good of the ultimate outcome of Trump, I hope, is that I believe that for 70 to 80 percent of Americans... That is, those Americans who themselves are beyond red center of gravity. For those people, Trump is a spectacular example of what not to be and an instructive one. It's kind of like we've been having this national therapy session. And one of the insights that I think a lot of people have gained is around the phenomena of psychological projection which Donald Trump does constantly and apparently without any shred of self-awareness. For those of you who may have forgotten your psychology 101, psychological projection is when you see in other people the very thing that you yourself have but are unwilling to see in yourself. So you say things to yourself or to other people like, I hate them. They're so unfriendly. Or, she's two-faced, always talking behind people's backs. And, and, of course, my favorite, why are you so angry? And psychological projection is a feature of red consciousness and, incidentally, of the red selves that we carry forward, even as we develop beyond red. And seeing how we project our shadow material on, Onto other people is an ongoing therapeutic inquiry. But again, without self-awareness, it's not much of an inquiry, and so it is with Trump, who just acts this out apparently compulsively. And I think Ted Cruz really said it so well in the primaries when he finally turned against Trump, and he said, and I quote, this man is a pathological liar, Trump. He doesn't know the difference between truth and lies. He lies practically every word that comes out of his mouth. And in a pattern that I think is straight out of a psychology textbook, his response is to accuse everybody else of lying. Whatever it is he does, he accuses everyone else of doing. And it's so true. The best way I have of understanding Donald Trump is to listen to what he says about other people. Uh, He talks about the lying in dishonest press while he himself is lying and is dishonest. He says of Hillary Clinton, she has such hatred in her heart. What? You know, if anybody has hatred in his heart, it's him. He calls her a nasty woman when he's such a nasty man. He talks about being cheated when he himself is a cheater. And today I heard him say something that actually gave me the chills. I'm I'm dead serious. And that is of Hillary Clinton, quote, she doesn't know what she's doing. She'll start World War III, unquote. Now, this is not something we want to be hearing from the king of projection, right? Right. I mean, we don't even want to think that ideas of World War III are even rattling around in his head because, as we said, this guy has an 8% chance of becoming the president of the United States, the one or two or three people who actually can start World War III. You know, we can calm ourselves somewhat of the terror of a Trump presidency, by the knowledge that presidents are largely constrained in what they can do with our system of checks and balances of the Congress and the courts. But there's one area where the president has complete and immediate authority, and that is in the launching of nuclear weapons, which you could see the case for it, where a president has to be free to Decide that quickly if nuclear weapons are coming towards us or whatever, and all the president has to do is give the order to launch, and they're launched four minutes later. That one world-destroying decision is made in one mind and one heart, and that cannot be the mind and heart of Donald Trump. You know, we have other maps in the integral canon that we could look at in addition to development, which we've been looking at. And one of them is the map of types or typologies of individual people. And one of the favorite typological systems that you hear about in the integral community is the Enneagram. And I was talking to one of my friends, Patricia Albert, who is a terrific Enneagram teacher and expert, and she was. we were talking about Trump, and she said that she thought Trump was an eight, which I agree with, an Enneagram eight, and that like all types, we could have levels of health. So you could have a very healthy eight, or you could have a very unhealthy eight. And in the system that she works with, the least healthy eight, the bottom rung of nine levels of health, this person is referred to as the vengeful destroyer. And they have a psychology that if they see that they themselves are going down, they will take the whole ship down with them. And for those of you who think I'm always an optimist and looking at the bright side, do know that I, and for the next two weeks, will live in a certain terror that a man like Donald Trump could get this close to that kind of power. And I do think if he got it, there would be a not insignificant chance that he would use it. And I want to keep going here with this theme of apocalyptic imaginings, which are not normally my thing, but I have to say I was very deeply sobered by a review of a book that uh, was published in the New York Times, a book on Hitler. The book is called Hitler, Ascent, 1889 to 1939, by Volker Ulrich, and it's the first of two volumes on his subject. And let me read some excerpts from the review And keep in mind that this book was written before the rise of Donald Trump. They write that Hitler was seen in his early days as a, quote, Munich rabble rouser, regarded by many as a self-obsessed clown with a strangely scattershot impulsive style. Hitler was often described as an egomaniac who only loved himself, a narcissist with a taste for self-dramatization and what Mr. Ulrich calls a characteristic fondness for superlatives. His manic speech and a penchant for taking all or nothing risks, which raised questions about his capacity for self-control, even his sanity. Mr. Ulrich underscores Hitler's shrewdness as a politician, with a keen eye for the strengths and weaknesses of other people and an ability to instantaneously analyze and exploit situations. He writes, Hitler was known for a bottomless mendacity and was described as being so thoroughly untruthful that he could no longer recognize the difference between lies and truth. He peppered his speeches with coarse phrases and put-downs of hecklers. Even as he fomented chaos by playing to crowds' fears and resentments, he offered himself as the visionary leader who could restore law and order. Hitler promised to lead Germany to a new era of national greatness, though he was typically vague about his actual plans. He often harked back to a golden age for the country, All the better to paint the present day in hues that were all the darker. Everywhere you looked now, there was only decline and decay. The review goes on, Early on, revulsion at Hitler's style and appearance led some critics to underestimate the man and his popularity, while others dismissed him as a celebrity, a repellent but fascinating evening's entertainment. Politicians, for their part suffered from the delusion that the dominance of traditional conservatives in the cabinet would neutralize the threat of Nazi abuse of power and fence Hitler in. They were severely mistaken. So I'm reading this, and there's no reference to Trump in the article. Remember, the book is written before the political rise of Trump, at least. And yet, of course, it's deeply resonant with the same kind of personality that uh, we see in Trump. And I realized that it's sort of the same personality that you see in all deeply read behavior. Uh, it's the personality of a of a Saddam Hussein or a Idi Amin or a Joseph Stalin. There's an aspect of it that's deeply unsophisticated, literally undeveloped, and yet powerful on that deep red power center that you know we all rely on and some people it's really all they got so is all of this to say that i think that donald trump poses the same threat to america in 2016 as adolf hitler did to germany in the 30s and the answer to that is a resounding no and the reason for that is that Hitler already happened and we all saw it and we all learned from it. And, you know, the result of that as horrible as it was, is that we now have a Germany and a a Western Europe and actually all developed countries who have moved solidly into a modern and postmodern moral sensibility. As I said earlier, The U.S. may have about 25% of the population at this, you know, functional red stage of development. And present-day Germany and Europe probably has a smaller percentage. But 1930s Germany and Europe had solid majorities at that level who were susceptible to the siren call of a militant nationalism. And the horrors of the fruition of that militant nationalism when coupled with modern technology. So pre-modern morality and modern technology provided the unholy combination that set off the conflagration that was World War II and which has served to be a lesson to humanity that has itself brought forth. The flourishing of a new, again, solidly modern and even now postmodern and integral consciousness in the most developed countries. And that, I think, is a sturdy acquisition or achievement of humanity. But there is still this one wild card, black swan scenario where a Donald Trump can still get into a position of power where he can wreak havoc on the world. So there, folks, the nightmare scenario from your usually reliable purveyor of goodness, truth, and beauty. And I will grant you, it is a very unlikely scenario, but it's not unlikely enough, which is why we, all of us, have to do everything we can to see that Donald Trump is not only defeated, but humiliated in defeat. Because humiliating defeat is one of the few real tonics for red consciousness. When red loses, it begins to think, hey, wait a minute, maybe this isn't working. Not all of them, to be sure, Not Donald Trump, probably. He'll just keep on fighting in his own compulsive way. But for some significant proportion, it means let's look for something else. And that is the beginning of a new evolutionary move. And I'll talk about some of what I think is really the positive tonic for the culture at large that we can um, discern in this Donald Trump phenomena. And I'll do that in the next podcast, which I will release here right quick. Okay, folks, I see that I'm bumping up against a half hour here, and I think that's enough for now. More to come. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Daily Evolver And I do encourage you to, if you're interested in integral theory and learning more about this and seeing more of my work, that you can check it out at dailyevolver.com and also at integrallife.com, which is the main portal for all things integral. Okay, folks, that's it for now. Jeff Salzman, signing off.